Hi, beautiful, beautiful soul, beautiful friend. This is Claire and the Art of Life, and this is an important podcast to me that I'm doing, that I've been called to for a while, and I've been trying to find an anchor to put me in it. Here is a discourse, free-flowing and transmission channeled from life to life to you around the separation of head and embodied knowing, wisdom, embodied life. It's a really simple discourse about the difference between head and heart and more than that. But it's a really important discourse in particular around how we are distracted from our from source and from our true identity because we get lost in, in maps that are purely cerebral in the head, in the mind, and more appropriately, more specifically, um, in the front lobes, which is basically using a very small part, part of the brain, the, the kind of pattern-making, logical fix in logic, um, a very particular kind of disembodied and compartmentalised logic that we tend to use in the everyday, in the language, um, in the constructions that we use, the the structures that we use in our reality, which separate us, very specifically separate us from our embodied wisdom, our felt wisdom, and our activated wisdom, which is much more than the sum of the parts. It's like our our senses have been separated into these measurable aspects of our sensory perception, but of course our sensory perception is hugely more than than even the sum of those parts, those five senses. Our sensory perception is something that is able to be activated layer upon layer upon layer. It's able to be uncovered, demystified layer upon layer. And I really want to speak to this in terms of this series that I'm working on, which is what on earth is going on right now in this planet, in the world? What on earth is happening? Um, I want to speak to how we are reconnecting the head and the heart, the head and the holistic being. And it's a lot more complicated and beautiful than this very simplistic polemic of head and heart or mind and body. But these aspects of it, these polemics help us to comprehend what's happening on a greater level. So I want to go into this in trust that you can hear me and tune in here to this very open-spirited and loving sharing of my own truth as miraculous metaphor for what is going on in the, the larger macrocosmos. macrocosmos of our human conscious, of which we are all inseparable, inalienable parts, functioning, living cells in the body of the whole. 
So, yeah, the, the separation of mind and heart is something that is deeply instilled in, on the one hand, what could be perceived as a, an unconscious, natural phase of our evolution, where we're very rapidly developing systems, technologies, communications, and global um, practices, processes of nourishment, information, <clears throat> and identity that, yeah, on the one hand, could be seen to be just a, a, you know, we're doing what we can with what we've got at this point, but on the other hand, when one looks deeper, when one delves and digs into what's going on behind the scenes and whose invested interests are in our being controlled, it's very clear, just even scratching the surface, it's very quickly obvious that there are underlying reasons why the, the subconscious, the hidden, is kept hidden, why it's not an accident that we're just going through this phase in our evolution, this phase in our growth spiritually and culturally, uh, emotionally, psychologically. It's very clear that the, the unknowing aspect, the subconscious, the unconsciously sabotaging self, sabotaging spirit, environment, whole freedoms, expression, etc. There are people profiting from that very directly, from from our not being conscious of what we're doing, from our not being conscious of how we're identifying, and of our being separate from our head and our heart being separate. And excuse me if this sounds a little bit of a messy argument, it's there are so many loopholes in our contemporary thinking, so many loopholes that that can easily be connected and and spiralled out of, as it were, but the, the loopholes are tend to keep us in the same place. Like a game of snakes and ladders that I think most of us have played when we're young. I would liken these loopholes in our psyche to that very long snake that is on square 99 of the board when there's like 100 squares on the board and we're trying to get from two square 100, which is the winner, <laughs> the completion of the circle, of the game, of the, of the cycle. But this one snake that is right at the end, just when you think you're winning, you can go right back down to the start again. Um, a lot of our contemporary psyche and thinking and logic, in inverted commas, is exactly that. It's exactly this thing that just like brings us back down and keeps us in this cycle of, I don't know if you ever played on like long rainy days in the summer or the winter, um, playing board games with your siblings or your community, kids in your community, where these games seem to go on and on forever and somebody always landed on the snake that took us back down to the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised if these games were designed to keep us in those ways of thinking, to keep us thinking that we're always going to fail just before we succeed. 
and we're never going to succeed. But I certainly remember games where we all probably kicked the board over in the end and flung it on the floor. That it was um, just the repetition of, of pointlessly going back to the beginning again. So as I'm saying, a lot of this, a lot of the, the logic that we're using in our contemporary reality is very much designed to get us to the conclusion that, that there's no point in trying, I can't do this, I'm too weak, um, there's no option available, we're, we're, all, we're very much cultured and conditioned into believing that there's this option or that option, or even 10 different kinds of crap, as I often refer to in my podcasts. But ultimately, there's no point in looking out with that portfolio or that polemic or that dynamic. And mostly we're choosing the lesser of two evils. This is something that's also ingrained into our culture and into our thinking that we should settle for two very substandard forms of politics kinds of food that we've got access to, um, modes of expression, um, mainstream social medias, etc, etc. A lot of our commercial or social or cultural choices that we make around things that go on with the mind are very much to do with a polemic and almost anywhere that there's only two choices, both of which are marginally, one that's marginally less evil than the other or marginally less bad for you than the other or marginally less invasive and marginally more fitting to our very conservative and quelled sense of self and ability to express ourselves, which Nowadays, mostly people are expressing themselves in a commodified way. In a, in a, we see our economic choices as a form of expression. The clothes we buy, the books we read, the <clears throat> technology that we invest in, they're seen as our identity. And again, just stepping back a little, this this whole construct of us believing that our identity is something ex- not just external from us, not certainly not what we are e- expressing through our vital, through our hands, through our voice, through our movement of body, through our immune system. The common belief, which is extremely distorted and polemic, is that we are not the natural expression of something which is coming from the inside out because we're very much associated with we are pieces of paper, our identity is dependent on pieces of paper and we do not have permission to do anything other than that. And any time that this dynamic comes into place, which is on a daily basis, it might be every five minutes, it might be every time we click a button on the computer, we're settling for something that is the lesser of two or ten evils, the lesser of crumbs that we're being 
given in return for our vital force being poured outwards into the system, into the mechanics of the system. And ultimately, what we're rescinding, what we're seeding, C-E-D-E, seeding, uh, not seeding, <laughs> with a S-E-E-D, what we're seeding, what we're giving away, what we're surrendering and unconsciously having stolen from us is everything that I started this podcast talking about, the riches of our true identity, which is our true vitality, which is our wellness, our very health, our vibrant health, not our not our not the separation of health in one area of life, identity in another area of life and everything outside of ourselves, but the very embodied incarnated in the meat, in the flesh, the very living flesh, the blood, muscle, bone, sinew, living, moving, thrumming, pulsing, reality, oh, oh I just have to move, talking about um, dynamic living reality, this is the day that my neighbour Clatters about in the corridor for half an hour or so, so I'm just moving, moving the recording upstairs. Um, yes, the the livingness of our reality and the real reality that's underlying us at all times is very much distorted very much limited, artificially, like it's an illusion that it's really limited, but we are most certainly tricked into believing that we're obligated to participate in all kinds of things that take our energy and that give us very, very little in return. And again, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record by the time I get to the end of this podcast. But again, we're kept in polemic by this. We're kept in the mistaken belief that there's only one choice or another. And that even even if we don't choose one or the other, then we're going to be in great difficulty. Um, and again, this theme of living in gift and living in right, in our right harmony with all things that, that I speak to in my in my teachings, in my sharings, in my in all my relations, <laughs> the very core premise, which is the right premise, which is rightness, which is aligned with natural law and truth and expression, is that we we hold at all times infinite choice, um, meaning infinite solution also, infinite choice of possibility. Infinite possibility, which also C 
seems like a paradox to our polemic mind that believes that everything is one thing against the other. But our our infinite possibility can only be chosen like only one choice can really be chosen from that infinite possibility like we have to do one thing it has to manifest as one thing but again the language is is a is tricksy around that it's the language is trying to limit that or our conceptualization of things is limiting that and this is one of the things i want to try and transmit in this sharing <clears throat> which is that Although it seems like we're only choosing one thing from that unlimited possibility, it's a very different choice than acting from the belief that we have to do one thing or another, which is essentially under the false authority or distorted authority or abusive or manipulative authority that is externally offering us these two pieces of crumbs, like these two pieces of mouldy bread instead of getting out of our way and giving us access to the, the unlimited potential, unlimited possibility in every single choice that we make. Um, and most of that choice <clears throat> comes through like the choice or the lack of choice in this unlimited possibility in every moment, in every choice comes from the fact that I'm rescinding or giving away my power, giving away my energy and giving away my choice. And that, again, is a sign that there's something in my mind that has been drawn down into these two tiny options, which is this versus that. Not just this or that, but this versus that. And the choice being an effortful thing, the choice being a difficult thing. Whereas when the right choice is made, it's very clear there's only one choice. And, and, and this is such an important point that it's really hard to express in the English front lobe language uh, in a linear fashion. So I'm just going to say it how it comes out, and it's, I'm probably going to have to repeat it in different ways to try and make sense of it, because it really is the solution to the belief that we don't have choices, the belief that we can only choose what is put in front of us or what comes to us in a form that is a document from the system, as it were, or a digital ID certification. The infinite choice comes from knowing that we hold power in our hands, in our core that expresses through the hands, in our heart which expresses through the voice and when we make the right choice which is the choice that is the best choice that we possibly can make in this moment in relation to the whole our whole as microcosm for the macrocosm the larger whole to the conventional mind there only is really one choice one right choice, which is the rightest choice, which is closest to core, closest to the expansiveness of the universe, closest to realigning with the cosmos, to healing and to correcting relationships and to correcting the structure of how we all are and interrelate and intercommunicate. 
but that one choice that it seems like the one correct right choice which is aligned with right and rightness and my rights my my right of expression my right to live naturally my right right to subsist that rightness <clears throat> it has a it's non-linear in the sense that it doesn't follow the conventional logic again in inverted commas but because of the expansiveness of rightness of what rightness actually means and how it's realigning the the structure of the world the interrelationship of our, all our relations and the karmic and dharmic effect of our choices that one choice in its expansive nature has a ricocheting effect has a a a radiating effect that is literally infinite and that radiating effect goes out in natural timing unfolding season the right seed planted in the right season it grows and expands and gives abundantly for a lifetime which might be thousands of years it might be a couple of years it might be thousands of years but even then like the right thing planted at the right time the right choice made at the right time to correct things will ripple outwards infinitely because even if the cycle of that plant, the cycle of that action seems to be dying, seems to follow its season, it's just a a two-year-old plant, it's a plant that grows for one season or two, the seeds that it produces will be more abundant than the seeds of a thing that was forced in the wrong season, in the wrong microclimate, forced Solo, solo, (laughs) love my language ability to speak English and falling into Italian because I'm trying to explain a complex idea and my brain's associating that with speaking Italian and trying to explain things in Italian. Um, I'm a Scottish person living in Italy and speaking Italian as a second but fluent language, just as a side note. The way our choice unfolds naturally will have infinitely positive effect even if it seems to have a short consequence like a short outcome in this particular week or day or um, scenario or um, controversy that we're interacting with Um, for example, it, uh, a reluctance to pay a surcharge on a package arriving from abroad, which takes uh, gets stopped in, cost, in customs. Um, the protocol being you pay a large, I I pay a large fee on it. This is a, a an ongoing controversy <laughs> today and yesterday. Um, in me trying to upgrade my technology in a package coming from China that should be arriving at my door right now but is blocked at customs because they want a really high charge um, to release it, which is essentially, you know, I literally have an image of a highway robber (laughs) stopping the carriage, stopping the postal carriage at the border and holding it up and sending a minion to the household that this package is meant to be arriving at 
demanding money to release her. It's literally is highway robbery. And the the flow of of commerce, the flow of things that we need to function in life, you know, the modern life needs us to have a computer that functions. My computer does not function very well. And in order to even argue with the customs office and the courier office who are on behalf of the customer, the customs office trying to steal money from me, um, in order to speak to them, I need my computer. That's how I'm, com- <laughs> how I'm communicating with them. And I need a functioning computer. And I'm trying to just get the basic level of functioning. Um, I, I spent literally more than half an hour this morning installing and disinstalling uh, I think around six apps on my phone just to get a just to get a functioning audio app that I can record my voice and make this podcast to you Um, so I need a functioning phone and I need a functioning computer just to function in the world just to be participate in these systems but there's a loophole there that um, the system wants to be able to siphon off money, siphon off taxes, which, of course, are theft. Taxes, full stop, are theft. All taxes are theft. But these kinds of taxes where I am making an economic choice from a position of not earning very much money regularly, not having steady income, having never had steady income apart from, I think, three months when I had a job once in a conventional art gallery in London, in England. I, it seems like the system is like, you pay the money or your computer will be stolen from you. The computer that you've paid for that essentially belongs to you, me, (laughs) as in me, will be stolen and, and returned back to the place it came from, which means I'll either lose my money or I'll lose a large amount of the money that I paid for it, and the the passage will have to be paid for, but I will not get the money back for that. Or I pay the money and let it come through, so either way I have to pay a lot of money, you know, like 60, 70, 80 euros to get this thing through my door. And the whole thing comes through protocols, scripts, non-living conversations, you know, dead conversations that are essentially handed down through the hierarchy from people further up who are harvesting the money. You know, the money isn't going to go to charity. It's not going to go to building better gates at the border or fixing the road. It's going purely up into a system that at the top of the hierarchy of those corporations there are very, very rich people who are very fat and have meaning fat in the sense of materially fat, uh, not necessarily physically, but often very rich people are very fat or have more fat on them than somebody who is working in the fields um, and somebody who's working on the living through the the lower levels of economic stability. Um, the people at the top are more like, again, this is a whole other discussion, but I'm, I'm, I'm just referring to general use of resources fat. <laughs> That's what I'm referring to. Um, being, having 
<clears throat> excess resources, and these folks are having excess resources, like the, the ethics of them taking money from people who have very few resources is extremely distorted. It's not ethical. It, there's a, the maxim of law that you can't take, you cannot tax somebody, you can't take money from where it is, isn't. You can't take money from somebody who hasn't got money. You cannot tax the poor. But of course, that's another one of these um, protocols that's been aggressively forced on populations. And just to step out of all of that controversy at this at this point, and what I'm trying to illustrate is that if I'm coming at this conventionally, I have two options. Pay the money, which I have already paid, pay more money and lose my rights, or lose the the goods that belong to me already that I've already paid for and paid postage and tax on. Like, you pay the money, pay us the money now, or lose your property, or we will steal your property, remove it from you. So those two options, the tension of those two options creates a kind of engine of suppression. And I want to try and explain this that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> um, I don't have a facility to pause on this very simple recording device, I don't uh, app, I don't have a facility to pause whilst I'm coughing or sneezing or anything, so you're going to get the full effect here, including me supping tea. The point I, I want to, that I'm taking time to explain slowly and, and fully here is in any choices that we're making in the system, in mainstream, in contemporary society, in our conditioned mind, we are functioning completely from the front lobe of the brain, from a much smaller part of our brain and of our consciousness and being, which means <clears throat> by, by definition we're bypassing our feelings. You know, nobody feels nice having money taken off them for no reason, that being taxed for any reason, but specifically from this reasons like this where we've already paid for postage and taxation and the object that we're trying to receive through the mail. But somebody somewhere who, you know, these arbitrary borders that are in place between countries and inverted commas is stealing money from us. Nobody is going to feel good about that. That's not going to be a joyous feeling or a right feeling or an expansive or healing or growing or enlightening feeling. That is always going to be a contracting feeling, a feeling of contraction. And that feeling of contraction is what pulls us out of the holistic right feeling, the holistic right behaviour, the holistic right choices, because it's literally pulling us up into our head and into the jurisdiction of our, an external authority, <clears throat> which is manipulating us for its own profit and for our detriment, to our detriment. Um, that is the metaphor, that is the model, that is the model that, that echoes through all things, through all choices, even when we're in a massive supermarket that looks like you have this this illusion of infinite choice, of amazing variety of great, wonderful, modern products, but of course is really like 50 different kinds of crap breads 
50 different kinds of crap sugar, you know, things that we do, we actually do not need. We don't need crap bread, crap sugar, crap coffee. We don't need things that have been unethically and, and environmentally damagingly harvested for us. We don't need food that has been packaged on the other side of the world, shipped to this massive supermarket, shipped to a warehouse, then to, you know, through these complicated steps. We don't need things that are far away from us coming to us that we are going to ingest as food. We need, what we actually need is all nearby. It's food that's growing in a field near our home, near the town we live in, near the zone, at least in, within the zone that we live in. There is everything that we need, unless you live in such a vast metropolis, which even then should have roof gardens and fields and parks within it growing our food. But what we need is food that is living. Living food that is simply processed just in order to get it from the field to our door, to our kitchen, to our table, to our plate. <clears throat> we need food that is filled with vitality. There is infinite food right on our doorstep that is filled with vitality that we are conditioned to not see and not want. We're disassociated from it. And that, again, is our separation of the head from the, the embodied wisdom that would allow us to naturally go and harvest what we need from around us and be very, very healthy because we're getting a biodiverse enriched diet of things that are picked in season in the right time in the zone that we're actually living in. So we actually symbiotically not just interact with them physically, but we're also in symbiosis with them on a vibrational level, on a subtle level. We're living in the, under the same sky as them. And that's really important. Like we're living next to the same rivers as them. They are informed. And again, this is why indigenous cultures are so heavily, heavily suppressed and interfered with and medicated and brought into the medicalized world, brought under the jurisdiction of separation and of commerce and of unnatural law. If we were living our true inalienably indigenous nature, and we were taking what we need from around us, we would have no need for a system. We would have no need for any system or any authority external to us. We might still choose to reach out to other parts of the world, other cultures, language exchanges, exchanges of goods, exchanges of experience of food, but we might not need it to be physically shipped to our doorstep. We might not be completely dependent on it the way we are dependent on bananas that don't grow in our country, turmeric that doesn't grow in our country, medicine that doesn't grow in our country, greens that are not grown within three footsteps of my door, my front door and my kitchen table. We might be very different people if we were allowing not just the nutriment, not just the vitality, 
but when, if I can try and explain this um, fully, when we're not living from in contract, in conflict, in the mistaken belief that we only have a choice of this or that, when we're living in gift and in harmony and in power and vitality in the world, our, our relationship with all things becomes deeply metaphorical. It goes through a phase of being deeply metaphorical and therefore more and more meaningful the deeper we delve into it, the deeper we, we trust in it and the deeper we engage with it on that living level. So we're not just um, we're not um, contracting everything out. We're not giving it all our power and energy and attention to to an authority outside of ourselves. But when we're operating under natural law and under the authority and under embodied ethics, like the knowing of what's right and wrong, then those those contractual choices, those do this or else you're going to get punished. The the give us money or your computer is going to go back to China. These, the very nature of that choice, the very metaphor and meaning of that choice is just, it's simply dissolved. It's blown apart, if you like, but it's not that dramatic. It's just simply dissolved. It, it, there, is, there is no longer an unmalleable situation. All relationships, all interactions, all situations become fluid and become resolvable in a way that is powerfully spiritual, like all things are convey information, wisdom, and are pulled into natural law, even if the people practicing their protocols, even if the systems in place are wholly against natural law, against ethics, against the environment. The power of the mystical cosmos that we live in, the power of our inherent nature that we live in and we live under natural law in, under universal law, under cosmic law in, we can only comprehend these laws and these behaviours as we, it's like behaviours in, we can only comprehend the, this larger law by actively participating in it, actively living it, allowing it to live through us. And that's a dynamic process of growing, evolving, developing spiritually, um, expanding, expanding, enlightening, that can only come through our being more embodied, being more physically in our own flesh in our living flesh, in our vital flesh, it's all connected and the more activated we are by being more in our body, in our flesh, in our sensation, in our senses, coming to our senses, the more we are in our sense, the m correspondingly, the more what we're taking from the environment, what we're taking in, informs us. And again, coming back to the indigenous, the indigenous peoples have a lived spirituality. We might not comprehend it as that um, further down the line because we, are, we see everything as 
disperse as that. So we see our own culture as more evolved, as more advanced, as more intelligent than what we perceive to be primitive wisdom. But of course, all of the natural peoples who still exist, all of the natural peoples were able to receive information from the cosmos through the plants they use, not just the magical plants, but all plants have elements of magic in them, have a capacity to speak to us through the dimensions and to inform us in the same way that the elements do. The elements inform us of the mystical perfection of the universe, of the cosmos, of divine intelligence, of universal intelligence, of God, or spirit, or whatever we might like to call it, or whatever aspect of it we're focused on, like Gaia Sophia, like the idea of Gaia, which means that we're in symbiotic relationship, we are an aspect of the consciousness of the planet that we sit on, that we breathe on in the atmosphere being a layer of the planet, our mind being a layer of our conscious. And when we're living symbiotically and harmoniously with Gaia through our conscious, through our consciously choosing to do so, we're, we're also like being tied into infinite choice. We're also, we become... Uh, what's the word, like porous, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> porous to um, able to absorb uh, like a sponge or something more subtle than a sponge, more fine than a sponge. We're able to absorb information from all things. <coughs> We're able to feel the connectedness between all things. And a separated mind, a separated brain, a brain that is conditioned to work only from the logic and from the construct and confuses the construct with the actual territory, confuses the construct, the map of the territory, the, the construct which is really a model or a metaphor. <clears throat> Our confusing that with the actual landscape, the actual physical Soil, rocks, rivers, elements, air. <coughs> Again, a map, a map can only ever describe a very abstract conception of a thing, a very stylized, graphicalized, simplified symbol of a thing, but it's not the thing itself. It's not all the buildings and plumbing under the ground and atmospheres in the parks and in the bars. It's a very simplistic guide that helps us to supposedly find what we need to find and navigate around the, the shapes of the buildings. <clears throat> it has a very specific purpose to help packages get to doors to help people arrive in offices or find art galleries or sit by a river and locate a cycle path that's more easy to cycle down to their work, etc. The map has a specific 
purpose to get us from one place to another and to help us see a very simplified overview. But what it can't do, what the map can never do, and what our conscious um, structuring of ideas, structuring of concepts can never do is it can't activate our magical and mystical relationship with all things, with the actual soil, land, the thing that's bigger than the soil, that goes down deeper than the soil, and the substrata, and the rocks, and the crystals, and the underground lava flows, and the core of the earth, and the whole thing together, the whole of Gaia Sophia, which extends way beyond the planet, way beyond our atmosphere, is inseparable from our sun, our moon, our the other planets in our solar system, the galaxy. The Gaia Sophia that we are an inalienable and inseparable part of, you take us out of it and we don't live anymore. We're not thriving <laughs> in space. The holistic aspect of it, and it, again, excuse me if this just gets a, a wee bit out there and the sentences don't quite um, punctuate themselves, but the, the largeness and the mysticism of the whole that is so much more than some of the parts that we are alienated from through being obsessing on specific parts but, but completely ignoring the whole and ignoring the activated whole and ignoring the mystical whole. That metaphor of Gaia, Gaia Sophia, is us. It's the macrocosm of what we are in the microcosm. So long as we are viewing um, through our distorted lens of our front lobe consciousness, so long as we are observing and viewing and conceptualizing reality in these tight little ways, with these tight little metaphors, and with these conditional contracts of it's this versus that, it's always going to be representative of how we are actually inhabiting our own body, mind, spirit, cosmos. That being one, bo- one word, body, mind, spirit, cosmos. Um, we are only whole. We can't be anything other than whole. And our wholeness is supposed to be, is naturally, can be, has the infinite potential to be this creative divine intelligence manifest in beautiful harmonious celebration of life on this land structure which is whatever country we're in whatever country we're in under the elements completely in tune with the elements the rain and the sun landing on our skin and absorbing into it and creating health the water going down our throat and into our stomach and bladder and cleaning our body and transmitting, all of these things are deeply, profoundly sacred, beautiful, and part of a huge, complex, perfectly working whole. Not a mechanical whole, not a systematic whole in the way that we conceptualize it, but an actual mystical universal divine intelligence whole, which is perfectly symbiotic, even though it's like dramatic and stormy in places, even though there are tides and planets swirling around the sun, 
solar storms hitting our our atmosphere and radiation, even though there's toxicity and dangerous plants and aggressive animals, there is inherently natural balance, natural flourishment of life that we, we, holistically and individually have an obligation to have a relationship with that is bonded in the most natural and trusted in the most natural sense that in return for us fully living it we are gifted in in the multidimensional and this I hope I'm just hearing a really random banging noise uh, which might be somebody at my door downstairs I don't know I'll just go and check that in my um, interactive dynamic <laughs> podcast um, dealing with the everyday which I can't can't cause my podcast I'm just going to step down to the window at the front of the house and check that there isn't somebody um, at my front door because I'm expecting a package complaint. Hey, Qualcuno? Here? Here? Si, here? Okay. Here? Okay. 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 I thought somebody was down at the door, but it's just Ruggiero working upstairs up above in one of the buildings up higher. Um, living in the medieval quarter, when there's a sound like a knocking or a noise of somebody doing something, it's quite unusual to hear a noise um, of something going on outside, so I, I presume you know, somebody needs my attention, so I, I was just checking, but... It's just Ruggiero working on his house, which is a good sign. Um, some water coming down from his balcony that needs dealing with. <laughs> yeah, um, to, to try and... Um, I really love being interrupted. I, I just want to make a point about this, about um, having a mystical view of the world of the universe and of our intimate right relationship with that <clears throat> with that mystical symbiosis um, all things happening in the spontaneous have have meaning and have purpose have like a scope a, a, a gift that they're bringing and even being interrupted in the middle of what I consider to be. I, I really want to, you know, keep this podcast clean and neat. I want you to be able to hear what I'm saying. I want to be able to transmit these really deep ideas, and I need the container of the podcast to do that. And I, I'm up in the back of the house, which is in under the ground, but I shouldn't be able to hear much from outside. But um, the fact that I've been interrupted twice is actually the fact that I've had to get up and physically move around whilst I'm talking is actually a really important gift of being grounded and also of 
momentarily being exposed to the, the bird song and the air outside and the vivid power of a man who's working on his house up above me. That's like that is a, a really powerful presence. Um that just reminds me to be rooted where I am, both rooted in this moment, rooted in the present moment and rooted in the beautiful complexity and living force of everything that is around me. And I know that sounds like, you know, I can feel the convolutedness of me trying to explain that when it doesn't really need explaining, but the groundedness of this feeling of my feet, the coming back into the sentience, um, the walking down the steps and, and up the steps into the kitchen and then down the steps from the kitchen and up the steps to this back room again, they provide a, a certain reminder not to be too in my head. They bring me back down into the physicality, like I was just saying. Um, and that is one of the most, it's one of the most difficult things to truly embrace that. It's one of the most difficult things to keep coming back down into the body and into the present moment and into the actual place that we're in and into the magic of all things unfolding with meaning and purpose. Even when somebody is trespassing or somebody is disturbing the peace or or just making a noise that's distracting me from what I'm doing. The like the highway robbery, like um people demanding money for no reason and my my other neighbour clattering about in the hallway and muttering not under her breath at high volume, which isn't really muttering but um ranting about stuff that I don't know. I'm not really interested in what she's ranting about, but she's doing it to cause disturbance to me, to try and convey to me what she wouldn't say to my face, but she feels this kind of immunity that she can just speak it in the corridor by herself, talking to herself, but obviously trespassing my silence in my house and transmitting words to me that are very much about wanting to make me suffer for perhaps the fact that I've opened the door, opened the window to let air come into the room, uh, the corridor, the shared corridor that we share, which um, she has a, a strong aversion to fresh air and gets very angry when I open the window and slams it shut very hard. But what I'm, what I'm trying to convey again is that <clears throat> the the it might feel like the solutions to that, like there isn't necessarily a solution that I have to create around my neighbour disrupting me or disturbing me, but there, the growth within myself around being more tolerant of noise, being more tolerant of my neighbour, being more tolerant of somebody else's aggression even, or of somebody else's need to work on their house or folk just doing their job um, my conventional thinking might lock me into a certain protocol of 
complaining to the police about noise or complaining to the tax office about their unlawful taxation of my um, package or, or rather just paying the, paying the fee because it's demanded of me and because I'm being threatened. But the, the infinite possibility always contains the right solution that is best for everyone. It's not necessarily best that I just give money to somebody because they demand it of me and they're, they're threatening me. That's not always the right solution for them. It's not, it might keep the, mechanize, the, the mechanics going of the protocols and the taxation office and so on, but it isn't necessarily the best thing overall for everyone. And my submitting to my neighbour being abusive essentially to my privacy and to my peace in my house by ranting outside my door when she knows she, she knows that I'm on the other side of the door. She knows that the doors are thin. She knows that I can hear everything and she's speaking in order to disrupt my my peace and my well-being. Um, the polemic being in the head reality would require me to aggressively combat that, to aggressively face or confront or try and reciprocally suppress the person who is intruding on my peace or demanding money from me. And <clears throat> there's an aspect of an aspect of myself that that goes through that motion that thinks about that that embraces that argument that need to suppress the symptom, the need to stop the other person from expressing themselves or stop them from working because it's affecting me or stop them from implementing their protocol. And that again would lock me into it because I'm locked into conflict with myself and being separate from myself and from the mystical whole and I'm locked into this tight little behavioural reaction, reactionary protocols within myself, and that that stops me from being, stops the mystical from being readily available to me, stops me from easily drawing on the wisdom and the profundity of meaning that will be transmitted through my mind from source, from my core, from the universe, from above, from below, from the planet, and help me, you know, help guide me like the wind in my sails, the current under my boat, guide me to the port, guide me to the place that is the right destination, the right solution, the right action. Um, I hope these, I'm not mixing metaphors too much here. I'm trying to, I'm really trying to um, speak to solution on the on the most profound level of like why it is that we're stuck in these dynamics and we get stuck in dynamic full stop. We get stuck in frictional dynamics because I know that there's a way out of it. There's always infinite options and there's always right solution and the right solution is always the one that we we get better and better at feeling our way into as we activate our mind, body, spirit, cosmos. 
because we have access to a wealth of much more information and therefore we have access to the ethical body which is the body that will naturally gravitate magnetically like like the pull of gravity will naturally gravitate first to the right solution that's going to ultimately radiate out and not as simplistic as it's going to be the best solution for all people, you know, in the simplistic sense that we, again, have been distorted into believing around charity and looking after the victims and distorted narratives that come through our media and film and social media, pulling on our emotions and so on. But there's a, a much deeper rightness that extends out that sometimes is medicine. This is what I'm trying to get to. Sometimes our right action is a medicine for the world and it's not a medicine that the world is ready for, nor that they want. And it's a homeopathic remedy that is going to bring out their symptoms. It's going to aggravate their symptoms because it's healthier for their symptoms. They're locked in feeling, they're locked in thinking, they're locked in perverted logic and distorted logic, pulling that out to the surface. So, like, one of the the ways I've navigated out of being indentured, being um, contracted to these authorities and pulled out of natural law is is thinking that I have to let the other person contract me by speaking at me and telling me their protocols and insisting that this is the law, etc. And submitting to that by listening to it, by being pulled into the dream spell, by allowing them to speak um, and ha- and therefore affirming their belief that what they say is right and has absolute power to force me, to force me effortfully to behave in the way that they want me to behave, to give them money, to consent to the feeling, to feed my natural born rights in this reality and agree to them trespassing me. And one of the ways I'm able to immediately remedy that is when someone's calling me, for example, we all, or most of us, especially if you live in a country like Italy, um, where there seems to be very few actual real protections on privacy and on um, like peace in the home, by ways of technology, we are regularly interrupted on the phone, even if we have a very strong call blocker or such like, we're very often um, interrupted with sales calls of some sort and there, even when we have contracts with companies like a phone company or a provider of some sort, they might send automatic, automated messages, meaning that the message, the phone will ring, I will answer the phone and say, pronto, here, who is it, hello, who is it? And 
an automated message will start talking. I will not contract with any, I will not accept a robot talking to me or an automated message or a recorded message. But in the same way, um, so just to finish that thought, because by its nature, it's a dead and contracting dynamic. It's, it's me consenting to be exposed to tight and limiting offers. There's no automate, automated message which is going to come to my house offering me organic food from the garden or offering me fresh air or blessed water, clean water that's blessed, which are all that I need, basically. There's no thing that's going to happen to come down the phone of, like, you've just won a million pounds that would be sincere, or you've just, uh, or a, a million euros. And there's no thing that is going to be just a thing that I need, like, a yellow bucket is going to come free to you, and I need to, this automated message is informing you so that you can be ready to wait at the door and open the door when the automated, when the yellow bucket comes, the perfect bucket that you need. You know, the, the thing that I actually need is not going to come to me. There's no offer that they're going to make, and they're not going to make an offer. They're going to make a, an offer of contraction, which is a different thing than giving you something that you need. Everything that I need is available around me, either very, very affordable or free, given by the universe. Everything that I really, really need is free by the universe. The resources are there already, or they will appear to me by passage of somebody else. Somebody else has them that they don't need and, and or that they can sell to me for a really reasonable price. Those are the rules of the universe. There is nothing above that that we need apart from very occasional, like trying to buy a computer <laughs> or trying to um, replace a water heater and such like. But even those things, like they come to us easily in the right time and season. The money comes to us to be able to afford them. And I'm, I'm not going to go further into that, into the, the whole nature of how the commerce works, but how commerce works in a very specific way. It's set up to work in a specific way, but it can also work under natural law. But in order to help us do that, like so many, in, in order to help us access fiat currency, conventional currency, this is such a controversial subject and I just want to put a sort of disclaimer, a little set of brackets and parentheses around that just now by saying that the law of attraction, the secret, the abundance theory and so on, like they have an aspect of truth to them, but this is again another really important point about detached consciousness. They can only come through rooted, rooted, embodied, lived experience of natural law. Like the more we live under natural law, the more natural law by its very nature will bring us in line with everything that we need. Everything, including money, including mechanical things, including technology and including vehicles and passages, transport, um, roads rising up to meet our feet. It will bring everything that we need to us. But it won't bring everything we need to us if we're operating 
in this contractual polemic way where our head is separated from our body and we're not following our sentience and our sentience can't inform us because then by definition the universe will not be able to work through us because we're only using a small part of our being and the universe cannot with all its subtle intelligence move us if we're effectively in dead relationship with the world because we're only contracting through the front lobe aspect of the brain through a very small part of our brain. And again, that sounds a bit like I'm saying that you need to know these secret codes or you need to know these special occult wisdoms in order to be able to access money or in order to be able to access gifts or abundance. Um, but anyone who knows anything about gifts or abundance will know that it comes effortlessly, it comes through flow and it comes spontaneously and through whatever realm it's easiest for the universe to supply it, like somebody will tap on our door and bring a gift to us that happens to be the thing that we needed. I didn't have to go out hunting for it. I didn't have to wrestle with the world for it. I didn't have to go through complicated labyrinths of paperwork. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't have to go through any labyrinths and processes of doing really unpleasant work that I don't want to do in order to get fiat currency, in order to buy the thing in order to have it shipped from somewhere else in the world. Um, the holisticness of divine intelligent expansive flourishment is simply the fact of life and anything that isn't that is is us participating in unnatural systems that are sabotaging our very selves just to trick us out of believing that we're trick us out of knowing Trick us into believing that we're separate from the world, we're separate from abundance, we're separate from the inherent wisdom and meaning of all things and our natural wealth that we are owed by life, that we are gifted, not owed in the contractual sense, but that is simply inalienable to us. Inalienable means it can't be separated from us. It can't be estranged from us. It can't be taken away from us. But it, it can only temporarily and superficially be taken away from us through our own consent. And be that unconscious or conscious consent. It's mostly unconscious because if we're conscious of it, we don't do it anymore. If we're consciously consenting, you know, I could solve this issue quickly and efficiently by paying money to the Dogano, the uh, customs office. And I could know that the universe will back me up with that, the money will appear, the money will be there, and I will be able to do that. 
but the infinite possibility says that that isn't the right solution and it wouldn't ultimately be a solution it would just be reinforced it would be me using my immense creative power and my wisdom of how the universe works using that in a perverse way using that in a in a way that I know <clears throat> that I'm just encouraging systems and entrenching systems that are inherently stealing from me but more so they're stealing from lots of other people and they're inherently not for the benefit of humanity, inherently causing problems for humanity and legalising in inverted commas, like making it acceptable that corporations steal from poor people, like authorising corporations to steal from poor people. That's what I would be doing. And that's something that I'm in, inherently, I know it's wrong. So if I'm allowing it for myself, if I allow that to happen to me, I'm also allowing it for like millions and millions of other people who are way poorer than me and way less um, capable of expressing themselves like I am. That in turn feeds into the whole even right down to our immune systems, down to the way we express ourselves is in, infinite, intimately and infinitely entwined, like is inalienable from our, our, our lived identity is inalienable from our immune system. Our immune system is a mystical, physical, emotional, biochemical, biological, incarnated, spirit incarnated fact that has a lot to do with like the systems that we gravitate into, how we gravitate into natural law or away from it, like how we're always moving more into natural law from an unnatural world into natural law and away from the distortion or we're going further into it and yeah like this is it's a really flexible line that we walk a really flexible you know our free will allows us to make the choice you know I can if I if it really is if I weigh everything up and I feel into it and I feel that the choice is you know the the need to have a computer that functions outweighs the need to hold on to 65 euros or I have more than 65 euros in my whole financial portfolio that can possibly be filtered down at least in a few days into a payment to the Dogano, the customs office in Italy to liberate this computer of mine. Um, and it, it might be that those things you know, that one thing cancels, not cancels another out, doesn't make it not meaningful that I am funding theft, but it does mean that the need to have a functioning computer for my life and work might be a payoff. There might be a payoff in it, just in the same way that I use my fiat currency to pay for bread in the shop and milk and eggs and cheese. Um, 
And in that sense, this is where, you know, we we can only ever argue around in circles around what's right and what's wrong in each moment. We have to weigh up the, the much bigger perspective of I can consciously agree to contract in a moment where there aren't other options, but there are always other options, and that's the thing that's really important. The discourse is always, always possible. Making direct conscious uh, connection, having a dialogue with somebody higher up is always possible. Um, or with a different office, or going more directly to the point of, like, who is actually asking for this money? Who is actually asking for the payment? And also the the... The wall is possible. The boundary is possible. It's possible for me to also draw a boundary. You know, the the Dogano, the customs office is drawing a boundary. It's putting a, a barrier there. And maybe this is just a really healthy time to say, oh, I also am going to put a boundary. You know, maybe it just needs, light needs to be met with light. You know, maybe it is important that I only buy a computer in Italy. Maybe I can find a computer in Italy. Maybe it was um, frivolous of me to think, of saving money by buying a computer from the other side of the world that isn't really saving money. It's taking resources and so on from the other side of the world and creating effluent of vehicles to transport it to this side of the world. And I'm aware that a lot of this is like, really, it sounds like really convoluted and neurotic playing around and making something more inherently complicated than it needs to be, or more controversial than it needs to be. But I'm I'm trying to illustrate with these kind of semi-anecdotes or possible outcomes just how much choice there is in each moment, and also where our power is, like where our power lies in ultimately liberating the most energy. It's like weeding. Um, which isn't a real thing, and I don't believe in weaving, but, <coughs> excuse me, in in the wilder part of Sergio's garden, which I'm working regularly, it's very overgrown, and because it's been quite a wet and warm winter, it's particularly more, lots of soft green plants, and young bramble shoots, and things that, if I just leave that to keep, evolving, it will become an impenetrable jungle of brambles before it becomes like a forest and such like, but it basically won't be very productive in terms of food for me. It will proliferate insect and small mammal life, which isn't a bad thing, but I am living under natural law and I need to subsist and I need to develop this garden that might have really big positive consequences, not just for myself, for being able to live naturally and survive and actually feed myself, but also um, as an educational tool, area, space, as a meditation space, as a healing space, as a place that might provide medicine in the future, herbal medicine, plants that are actually food that are medicine and medicine and plants not separated. Um, it's, it, it might be a very important space in the future, and I'm I'm working under that premise, the, the possibility that something very big will 
happen, just in the same way that I'm approaching the issue with the customs charge, in the same way that if enough of us speak the truth and say it out loud, <coughs> it's, it's, it's like weeding out the untruths, it's like weeding out the plants that are going to become, that are going to completely take over in the future. The brambles are really easy to even to pull up when they're very young. But once they've got a really thick stalk and have stretched out lots of limbs, lots of vines that have then embedded and then um, rooted, they become very difficult. The roots become very tenacious. And also, the, if the plants, the grasses that are growing up in between them are able to develop, they, they will grow up and they will dry out in the, a specific season and then fall to the ground when they're much more depleted. Whereas if everything's cut down now, when it's easy to pull up, it's easy to cut down, it's easy to pull out the ground. The, it's been raining for a long time, so the soil is very friable, and it's easy to loosen the roots, like to pull side by side, side to side rapidly, sort of vibrate the plant and release the roots and pull it out with minimum disturbance to the soil underneath. And also, ingratitude, reaping the harvest of these plants that are soft green plants for the major part, and laying them directly where they're lying. So they're, instead of letting them dry out and become desiccated and create loads of seeds and naturally have a, a dry period in the summer, instead of that, I'm, I'm pulling them all up in the least disturbing way and piling them on the beds, piling them on, them on the areas where the, the greenery is creating a mulch um, that's quite solid and protective. It's not like putting a carpet and cardboard down like permaculture mulch. It's using what's already there to protect the soil, keep in the moisture, which is already there. They're very moisture-rich plants as well. So they're creating a kind of mat that they wouldn't create if I wasn't there intervening in their cycle. And I, I don't want to go too much further. I could talk for hours about this, and I'm aware that this very long podcast. But I really want to get to this point that every microclimate of life, of our structures and reality, can be brought under natural law by penetrating in the right moment, weeding out things in the right moment, pulling things up by the roots in the right moment, creating strata by adding information or um, not relinquishing power, just putting vitality into a thing like talking clearly and strongly and making bullet points and um, providing this lovely strata to protect what's underneath, which is my vitality, my property, my right to own a computer, to have a computer in my house. You know, maybe the universe doesn't want me to have a computer. If that is so, it will all unfold perfectly, no matter what. Even if I lose all the money that I invested in this technology, that in itself is a, a beautiful strengthening of my character and of my resolve and of my discernment around where I buy from, who I, who I trust, <coughs> trusting things that are ultimately going to be the right technology for me, the right or the right not having technology, it might be that the reason that all my technologies are breaking down and it's so difficult even to record a podcast, it might be that I'm not meant to be recording podcasts. 
I've done, I've served my time and I've done, I've shared as much as I can, as much as can be shared, but I have a legacy that I've, I've shared as much as I can through this mode of technology and it's there, it's on the blockchain, it's up online, it's within my Patreon profile, <clears throat> it's out in the world and I've, I've planted it as a seed. It might be that that's as much as I need to be doing. Um, and again, this like really opening up to all the possibilities rather than being stuck in conflict with, I must have my computer. If I don't have my computer, I can't run a business. I won't be able to survive. I'll die if I don't have a computer. If I'm not able to record a podcast, ah, oh, you know, I, this um, being chained to the the stuff and in contract rather than being liberated by the thing and the thing allowing me to express myself. If there's something, <clears throat> and again, I really want to finish this podcast with these points because if there's something that we keep coming up against, that's not a bad thing in itself. It's, it might be an aspect of our neuroses or a symptom of our internalised trauma, which is like blocking our psyche. It might be a, an aspect of our conditioning. But whatever it is that we keep coming up against, it's not a negative thing. It's like if we see it in the bigger picture, in the universe, in the dynamic state of change that is going on right now on planet Earth, it's really essential that we that we properly live these, not just not just submit to a symptom, not just play it out, not just play out the drama, not just submit to authorities, but we really question it and actively question it and actively act rightly on it, which sometimes means just picking up a no sometimes means being really jippy with an operator, being really cheeky with an operator and playful or um, even being very, very firm, like proactively firm, which might be seen by somebody in an office who's working with a, a protocol which is, presumes the right to suppress and steal from a client, a person that they see as like this little malleable slave that they can just take from the the right procedure on my part under natural law might be to do something that to them is going to appear like it is aggressive but it's actually me creating a firm boundary which is no I, I won't allow myself to be trespassed or stolen from and I won't allow my time to be entangled or, or again, trespassed or stolen. I won't allow this subject to preoccupy me for days and stop me from sleeping. Um, and again, this is, I can feel how this would be hard to, it's, it might sound like overthinking a thing, but this is exactly how we unravel how the universe works by, thinking about it to the point that we come out the other end of the thinking to the point where we we refine the threads into refine the entangled fleece into a thread into a skein of wool and it's useful for us to knit with knit a new garment with taking that which is tangled and confused and cloudy and 
how it's unclear for us, like, what is the solution? There is no solution. It doesn't, a solution is not forthcoming. But just keeping needing it and playing with it and thinking about it. But I'm not just thinking about it with my logical mind. I'm thinking about it with my whole being. And because I'm thinking about it with my whole being, because I'm getting up when I'm disturbed and interrupted in the middle of my podcast and I don't have a pause button, because I'm working with living life, with this living moment, with the livingness of the universe, the livingness of all things, and me being a part of all things, because I'm not resisting learning from this moment, because I'm not resisting even being stolen from, that ultimately being stolen from might be a perfect lesson to me to have a clearer boundary the next time, to have clearer communications next time about can you affirm for me that there were, if whether or not there will be a surcharge when this object reaches customs in my country, and so on. And the livingness always finds the right path. And sometimes a wound will be caused or something will be stolen or an intrusion will be made, but those wounds or intrusions or disturbances will be compensated by my vitality, by my resources that naturally come to me. If there's a void, if some massive charge is made on me or my life and the universe really wants me to pay it, I can easily accommodate that because even if it creates a huge, like an empties my bank account, the universe will fill the bank account up again. And that, that again, I'm slipping into an area that there's so much to say around that, that I really would have to do, will have to do multiple new podcasts um, <clears throat> to summarise or, or rather to finish up this podcast because it is very, I can feel like the real depth of what I'm trying to convey here and how I really need to contain it within this episode. Um, but I I want to further contextualise what I'm saying here in that it, it is always getting easier for us to re-mysticalise money, to re-mysticalise our relationship with other humans, no matter what systems are trying to impose themselves on us, on me, on ourselves, on our private lives, on our, no matter how taxation and IDs and digital IDs are trying to interfere in our lives, we can still interact with them in a way that will get easier and easier and easier as time goes on because there is a collective of us who are conscious and who are consciously becoming more conscious are healthy and healthful and vital and vibrant in vitality and are becoming more so and as such that energy it's not just a physical force that is available in folk who are dotted about the planet it's also a vitality of energy that on a subtle level is medicine for the world returning to harmonious order and natural order, natural hierarchy and natural right flow of things, which 
ultimately will reach a point, I know that I will reach a point in my life and vitality and health and wealth and happiness. I will reach a point in which miracles are much more free-flowing. They're already pretty free-flowing already, but they will become more and more so because the nature of this energy is expansive. The nature of nature is expansive, and our nature is also expansive. We, as one, have an embodied, a, a lived, a living embodied wealth, which is also our consciousness, which is also our intelligence, which is also our well-being, which is also our pleasure, and and many other qualities to it. Like when we recognise that we are holistic, we are whole as one, as a collective, as Gaia Sophia, as a cosmos, as I think that's Ruggiero doing his banging again. That's not somebody knocking on my door this time. <laughs> um, when we recognise ourselves as part of a much greater whole, the fabric, the very fabric of reality becomes much more Mm. Uh, such, a, such a key um, the language of this is is really key, key to its transmission um, and it's very easy to use the wrong words that are more contractual but the very fabric of, of reality is it's not malleable in the sense that it's malleable by force. It's it's like benignly and even passively, but passive isn't the right word. It's naturally, symbiotically, harmoniously malleable, meaning that the literally the seas will part the, the sea will part for us for us if we are called to walk across that sea. Um, or will we be able to actually literally walk on the water? <laughs> The, the elements and the, the space between the elements will m make space for us to move through the elements. And that, that again, it, I'm, I'm going over into very particular esoteric um wider discussion that I'll, I'll leave this now and I'll and I am at the edges of exploring and discovering in my life experience and I'm very excited to explore more um, but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll round up here um, I don't know if I need to sort of round up the story I'm still in the middle of the story around the taxation and the, the customs charge at the border I'll, I'll update you in my next podcast and let you know how I get on. Um, but either way, it's already resolved. Like the, the solution is already there, and I am the solution, and the solution will come through me of right action. And I'm waiting to hear from the answers to emails that I've written to the company and to the courier company um, to transmit to the 
uh, open up communication with the customs office for me. So, um, yes, I would love you to support my work. I'm down to the very literal, like I need, I need funding <laughs> to to get technology and to hopefully get the technology to come to me uh, all the way to my house. I need, um, I do need fiat currency and support and ongoing support for my work to be able to keep transmitting these messages to you. And so if you're not already supporting me or want to make a gift and support my work, um, please be reminded that I do live in gift and every centesimal, every penny counts in a, a very big way towards my being able to transmit esoteric solutions to you. Um, and I, I very much welcome all gifts, any gifts, all forms of gifts, multidimensionally, and also um, financial gifts, which would be very helpful to get me to upgrade my technologies. I'm thinking that there's probably a, a better intermediate tool that's better than a smartphone, um, but a specific tool for like a voice recorder. I'm, I'm feeling like it might be a good idea to go up the shop today, the electrical store in Guardia, and see if I can find something that is going to be a more trustworthy and better sound quality recording for making these podcasts for you. So, yeah, every cent, every dollar, pound, or euro that you support me with, especially through my Patreon, Claire Gaia Sophia on Patreon, is completely goes towards supporting my improving my technologies and getting a wider audience online so that I can actually communicate these things and so that I can communicate clearly out with any controversy what the truth of reality is, what the truth of our co-creative divine power is. So, yeah, love to you, gratitude for your support, gratitude for your witness and encouragement. These are a huge things for me that let me move forward and let me share more. Um, my website, as ever, is Claire Gaia Sophia, just like it sounds, no I in Claire, C-L-A-R-E, and um, I look forward to hearing from you if you connect and get all the links via my website and my link tree, Claire.diasophia on link tree. And then um, all the links are available, including the link tree link, available via my website, clairegaiasophia.com. Um, join me on the Hive, hive.blog, clairartista, and um, yeah, contact me directly in one of the ways that you find on my website. Probably my Patreon is the best way. All merit gained, radiating out to you and to the world and to our human human consciousness as it expands in this amazing time. Many, many blessings. I hope your day is beautiful. I hope your heart is full and overflowing. And I hope your mind is calm and integrated. Much love.